Good morning and welcome to Sunday Morning with Love in Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today on this first Sunday in December. Wow, can you believe we have already reached the final month of the year? This year has just flown by as it seems like they all do, but even more so this year for some reason. But praise God, we are entering into a time where more and more people focus on Jesus. And I just pray that we will always keep our focus on Jesus all year round, not just during this time of year, but all year and always tell people about him and how awesome and how great he truly is. We are going to continue our study today of the 50 Commands of Christ. And if you haven't been able to listen to Sunday Morning with Love and Action each Sunday, you can go back and listen to this series or many other messages on our podcast at Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcast, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can probably find the Love and Action podcast. So check that out. We're going to start today with number 43 out of the 50 Commands of Christ. And just as a reminder, in case you are new to either Sunday Morning with Love and Action or to this series of the 50 Commands of Christ, why is it important that we look at the 50 Commands of Christ? Because they are commands that come from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in his great commission, part of his great commission, he tells us to teach those who we lead to the Lord, new believers, teach people as we make disciples what he has taught us. So we need to know what Jesus says in order to live it out ourselves and in order to teach others as we make disciples. So this is a very important study and The 50 Commands of Christ just really opens up our eyes more and more to what our Lord has for us and and what he wants us to do as well. And the more we study about Jesus, the more we see how truly awesome he is. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you will call out upon him and that you will experience how truly awesome he is, how awesome his love is for you, for me, for everyone. He loves you. He died for us on that cross, and on the third day, God raised him from the dead. So anyone who believes shall not die spiritually, but live forever with him. He is awesome. And before we get into his word today, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we praise you. We love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. You give us your word, and you put everything there that we need to live this life victoriously and to go from this life to eternity with you. So we thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to teach your word on the radio. And I just pray for those listening that you will continue to touch hearts, that people will continue to give their lives to you, and that your people will be encouraged to tell others about you and to make disciples as you command us to. We thank you as we study the 50 commands of Christ, God, that you're just revealing more and more and more of your will for our lives, and you give us clear instructions. And may we be doers of your word, Father God, and not hearers only. Father, I pray for each person, God, you know every need that's out there, and I just lift them to you, Father, and pray that you'll just pour out your blessings, that you'd bring healing, deliverance, freedom to people, Lord, that you would just do amazing works in each and every life. God, you are awesome, and you are worthy to be praised, and we love you, and we praise you, and again, thank you for this time. Blessed be glorified, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's get started 
We're going to start with number 43 today of the 50 Commands of Christ. And just as a reminder, I encourage you to take notes if you're able to. Again, if you're driving, keep driving. (laughs) But if you're able to take notes, please take notes and definitely write down the key verses that we go over as well as each command And just encourage you to do that so you can go back and look at it and remind yourself of what Jesus is telling us. So number 43 is await my return. And the key verse for that is Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 44. Let's read that. Jesus says, therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus is telling us, await my return, because we know he came to earth born as a child, right? This is the Christmas season, and we're celebrating that. Of course, we should celebrate Jesus all the time. We're focusing on Jesus being born as a, as a baby. So he came the first time. He came to, to serve us and to bring salvation to us. He came to serve. He's coming again. And when he comes the second time, he's coming to judge this earth. And so we need to be ready. And we need to await his return. And if you are a born-again believer, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, His return should excite you. We should all be excited about the return of our King, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, because when he comes back, it's on. (laughs) We are going to see him. We're going to be with him. That is if we're those of us who are still here when he comes back. Of course, we don't know when when he is coming back. Nobody knows. So if you ever hear anybody saying that they know when Jesus is returning, Just run away from those people because nobody knows. The Bible tells us that. He's going to return when God says, go. But we should await his return. And you ever thought about why? Why should Christians, followers of Jesus, await and watch for the return of Jesus? And why be ready for it? You can go online, Google. There's all kind of websites. There's blog posts and videos and everything you can find online that's devoted to this question. And just this question alone, why should we wait upon his return and be ready? But I just warn you, be careful about, about what you watch and listen to and read. There's a diversity of answers, and some of them are quite astounding, ranging from one claiming that his command to await my return is simply a repeat of the messianic prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And so according to that view, actually Christians need not wait for his return. There's another that says it's like people waiting for a bus to catch a particular bus. They cannot just stand there and hope that the driver tells them, hey, this is your bus, the one you've been waiting on. You have to watch for the bus and be ready to catch it when yours comes. So similarly, followers of Jesus have to watch and be ready when the Lord comes or they will miss him. There's another one who likened it to a Boy Scout who is always prepared. You you know the the saying, Boy Scouts are always prepared. So they're saying Christians should always be prepared. Uh, A pastor named Steve May, he tells a joke about a man calling for fire insurance while his home is on fire to demonstrate that we can't wait until the last minute. After all, aren't we already saved? 
So why should we be waiting and watching? So you can find all kind of answers on the internet. But again, be careful what you listen to and read because there's a lot of crazy stuff out there, uh, just to be honest, as there is on about any subject that you Google. But let's look at what Jesus says. And, and always do that. Always go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. So don't take my word for it or anybody else's word for it. Go to the Word of God and see what Jesus is really saying. So how does he illustrate the necessity of being ready for his return? He illustrates this by comparing his coming to that of a thief. Now, we normally don't look for thieves, do we? Understandably, thieves, they don't advertise that they're coming. They don't have billboards or ads online or in newspapers or on TV. But by taking precautions, we can prepare against they're breaking into our homes. We can lock our houses, hide our valuables in, in safe places or even in a safe. We can install security alarms and exterior lighting to discourage people from robbing our house. In the same vein, Jesus urges his people to be vigilant, alert, wakeful, and constantly watching because he will return when we do not expect him. Even to those who are aware, his coming will occur with jarring suddenness, especially so to those who are distracted by ordinary occupations. And we read in the Bible such as eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. The teaching of this parable that Jesus is teaching here is that to live without vigilance is to invite disaster. And also Matthew 24 is taught by Jesus regarding what to watch for as the soonness of his coming. So we can see their signs that Jesus gives us that we can be watching for as to the soonness of his coming. So his return will not be surprising to his disciples as they have been discerning the times of the birth of the Bible because of birth pangs. You know, those are the signs of the end times. Well, we've heard about the end times. If you've been in church all your life, you've probably heard about the end times all your life. Well, the end times started when Jesus arose from the grave and ascended to heaven. Then time started then, and it's continuing until now, and there's going to be a point in time when Jesus does return. All these other prophecies have been fulfilled. Go through the Old Testament, and you see prophecy after prophecy about the Messiah, and how, and we can see how Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies. So why wouldn't he fulfill this one? Well, he's going to. Because his word is true, and he says he's coming back. He is going to be coming back. We can count on that. So we need to, as we're following Jesus, we can see these birth pangs, these signs of his coming, of his returning to earth. And therefore, it won't be a surprise to disciples of Christ. If a non-Christian, I want you to think about this, if a non-Christian looked at your life, could they accuse you of not believing in the intimate return of Jesus Christ? And how can we have a sense of expectation about the return of Jesus? So that first question, could people who know you, could they say, look, he's not looking, he's not watching for the return of Christ? And so what do I mean by that? Well, that, that's a question we need to ask. Are we living, first of all, are we living for Jesus? And if we are, then we have this sense of expectation that our Lord's coming back. And, and it's actually something we talk about and something that we look forward to because when he comes back we're done here on earth we're we're with him forever 
Many of us, who knows, Jesus may come back today, may come back 50 years from now. We don't know. But some of us won't live to see that return. We'll die. And if we die in Christ, we'll go be with him immediately. But for those who are still alive, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be an awesome, awesome day for believers. Now, for non-believers, it's not going to be an awesome day. But for believers, it's going to be beyond incredible. But if Jesus, if he returned to earth today while you're on your way home or while you're at home, would you like for him to wait a few minutes? Would you like for him to wait a few days, maybe a few months or longer for you to get your affairs in order and prepare to meet him? You know, think about that. Are you ready? Am I ready? Are we ready for his return? And then think about what things would you need or like to do in order to be totally prepared to meet Jesus today? And then ask yourself, why have I not done them already? You always hear people saying things about getting their affairs in order. Well, what exactly does that mean? I think everybody may have a different answer to that. But the most important thing we need to have in order is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you a follower of Jesus? Is he your Savior? Is he your Lord? That's the most important thing. And if he is, then be sure that you're telling others about him and making disciples and teaching them how to make disciples. But if you're not, I encourage you, call upon Jesus today, this morning. Just ask him to be Lord of your life, to be your Savior, to forgive you of your sins and to fill you with his love, to fill you with his spirit. He tells us to repent, which means to turn from our sinful ways and turn to him. So do that and give your life to Jesus today. And and if you do, or if you have any kind of questions whatsoever, please contact me. Uh, Our number at Love and Action is 334-494-4995. That's 334-494-4995. Or you can email me at Ken dot tuck at love ken dot tuck at love and i'd love to try to answer your questions I, if you give your life to jesus today or you have recently and you, you want to know what what's next i would love to send you some material on what the next steps are so please please contact me we'd love to hear from you So await his return. Let's be sure we are waiting, we're watching for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to return. Number 44, celebrate the Lord's Supper. Let's read Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's read Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 24. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, And they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And let's read Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So three different gospels, but very similar accounts of the Lord's Supper. And one interesting fact that I like to share, one interesting note, I should say, I like to share as as I lead the Lord's Supper, is there's a there's a Hebrew prayer, and, and Jesus may have or may not have prayed this, but it's such an awesome prayer because it shows Jesus and who, who he is and, and the whole meaning of the Lord's Supper. But it goes like this, Blessed art thou, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the earth. So why is that prayer so awesome? Well, first, you know, blessed art thou, Lord God, King of the universe, so we're, we're exalting God and giving him praise. And then it says, who brings forth the bread from the earth. Jesus is the bread of life. He was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And when Jesus died, Jesus, the bread of life, was put into the ground, right? And then God brought him out. So, blessed art thou, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the ground. Just such awesome imagery there. And I I just love reciting that prayer and explaining what it means because it just shows you that Jesus is the bread of life. And and he tells us to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And the central element of the Passover meal is the sacrificial lamb. And where did Jesus place his emphasis? And how does the Torah covenant God made with Israel compared to or differ from the fulfilled covenant he made through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now the Torah, just in case you don't know, it's the first five books in the Hebrew Bible, and that would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Passover, as described in the Old Testament, emphasizes that it was a sacrifice to the Lord, and it also was to remind the Jews of two things. First, that the Lord spared or passed over their firstborn while killing all of the firstborn people and animals of the Egyptians. And secondly, that the departure from Egypt was made in great haste. Now read Exodus chapter 12, verses 25 through 27, and Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Just encourage you to read that. We're not going to read that today. I encourage you to read that. That's Exodus 12, 25 through 27, and Deuteronomy 16, verses 1 through 8. So what did Jesus mean when he said, do this in remembrance of me? By saying, do this in remembrance of me, Jesus, his, again, his Jewish name is Yeshua, indicated this was a ceremony that must be continued in the future. Moreover, it indicated that the Passover, which required the death of a lamb and looked forward to the coming of the Lamb of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would take away the sins of the world, was fulfilled after the Lord's Supper. The renewed covenant was fulfilled when Jesus, the Passover lamb, was sacrificed and the sacrificial system was no longer needed after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD by the Romans. So we see a lot going on here, don't we? A lot of 
of, of prophecy being fulfilled. We understand that Jesus is the Lamb of God, and he was the perfect sacrifice because when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, it had to be a lamb without any blemishes. And Jesus did not sin, so he was he was perfect. And he died for sinful people, you and me and everyone else who's walked the face of this earth, because we could not get back to God without Jesus. So Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. And we know that, that the sacrificial system, which God allowed, was done away with in 70 AD. And Jesus, his sacrifice, made it so there doesn't need to be any more sacrifices. That He, he was it. He was the one perfect sacrifice. And the Lord's Supper, or communion as it's also called, is a remembrance of what Jesus did for, for all of us. And it's a celebration of what we receive as a result of his sacrifice. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 reads, Get rid of the old yeast, that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Paul added a requirement for one to receive the communion. Uh, We may ask, what does it mean to partake of bread and the cup in an unworthy manner? We we read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 34. And let's read that. Paul writes, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. So Paul has given some instructions about when not to take the Lord's Supper. It's when we disregard the true meaning of the bread and cup and forget the tremendous price our Savior paid for our salvation. We can't let the Lord's Supper become a just a ritual. And that that's what happened with the the temple sacrifices in the Old Testament that we read about. It just became a ritual. They just did it just to be doing it. And we don't need to take the Lord's Supper that way. And Paul is telling us not to do that. He's telling us we need to examine ourselves. So before we take the Lord's Supper, examine ourselves. And, and let's ask God to forgive us in, in those areas that we need to ask him to forgive us in. But we can't let it become just another ceremony. It's too important. Jesus paid too big of a price for us on the cross. So we should not allow the Lord's Supper to become a dead or formal ritual. 
in keeping with Paul's instructions, we should examine ourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And so a, a question often asked is, how often should communion or the Lord's Supper be observed? It would seem that since we observe the Lord's Supper to remember Christ's death and how he shed his blood for us, that we should observe it fairly often. Now, some churches observe the Lord's Supper monthly. Others do it bi-monthly and others weekly. Since the Bible does not give us specific instructions as to the frequency that we should observe the Lord's Supper, there's some latitude in how often a congregation should observe the Lord's Supper. But it should be often enough to renew focus on Christ without being so often that it becomes routine. But in any case, it's not the frequency that matters, but the heart and attitude of those who participate. And and let's remember, we should partake in the Lord's Supper with reverence and love and a deep sense of gratitude for Jesus, who was willing to die on the cross to take our sins upon himself. So I want you to remember that when you take the Lord's Supper. Remember what he did for us. And please don't let it become just something that you do. It's just another ceremony. It's just another ritual. No, it's not. It's something we need to remember, a time that we specifically remember what Jesus has done for us. And as a family, you can take it. You don't just have to do the Lord's Supper at home, I mean at church. As a family, you can take it as well. And those are special times when you can just sit with your family. Maybe it's at the kitchen table. Maybe it's around the couch in the den or what have you. But you take the Lord's Supper and explain what happened that night, especially if you have children. Explain to the children what happened that night the Lord was betrayed and how he took the bread and said, this is, this is my body, which was given for you. And you break the bread, and, and his body you know, was broken for us. And you take the, the juice and tell your children that you know, this represents the blood of Christ and of the new covenant that he gives us and the blood that he pour out for us. And so we need to give thanks to him, give reverence to him. And this is really a worshipful time. So be sure that we're taking the Lord's Supper. And when we do it, let's make sure that it's not a ritual, just something that we're doing just to check a box off. But do it with love and with reverence for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now one other question some people ask is, was it real wine that they used or was it grape juice? And nobody really knows. And the, the thing is, back in those days, it was not uncommon to have wine at meals. I mean, we read about that. We read about Jesus turning water into wine. But what some scholars think and expect is that it was new wine, so it didn't have time to really ferment. But that's just a little free nugget there for you. Nobody knows for sure it was wine or juice. And whether you use wine or juice, just make sure you're doing it with reverence for the Lord. Well, we're going to end right there as we are out of time. Next week, we'll pick up on command number 45 as we continue to go through the 50 commands of Christ. I pray the Lord is speaking to you through this. I pray that He just really opens your eyes to how important it is to live for him. 
and tell others about him. Tell others what he has done in your life. And I encourage you to teach somebody to make a disciple because he tells us to go and make disciples. So let's make sure that, that we are obeying our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And just let people know he, that they're loved by God because God sent his son, Jesus. And that's what the whole Christmas season is about. What an awesome opportunity to share Jesus with people because they know Christmas is about Jesus. They may not know what what that's all about, but you can tell them. So be sure to share Jesus with others. But thank you again for joining me this morning. And I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.